Hi, everybody. Welcome to Track Track. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, everybody. We're back. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, it's been probably, a long road, you could say. It's been a long road to this episode. Uh, you'll probably notice that uh, we didn't put out an episode on our normal schedule. We're usually pretty good about it. Um, usually the start of, on the start of every week. Uh, and this time, that's because I got a horrible uh, case of Andorian food poisoning. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like you were in a really bad shape. Yeah, you know, I really could have used Dr. Phlox, probably, and some of his modern uh, or futuristic to us uh, medical techniques, probably. Yeah, ate something, didn't, dis- didn't uh, agree with me, and uh, as I was telling you before we started recording, I was uh, in bed for a full 24 hours. Um, and when I attempted to get out, I thought I was going to pass out. So I got right back in and, uh, yeah, so it was kind of a weird week. Uh, it just kind of threw things off, uh, totally. And you, you had been down in, in Southern California. So we were already planning to record a little later than we do. Um, and then that happened, but now we're back. Um, and, I think we're going to try to do kind of a double episode. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Season 1, Episode 16, Shuttle Pod 1. Shuttle Pod 1. Uh, not to be confused, and don't get too excited. It's, it's not a crossover with the film Air Force 1. Yeah, that's a big disappointment. Starring uh, Harrison Ford. So you're not going to, unfortunately, hear uh, Trip or Reed say, Get off my pod! <laughs> <laughs> but that might have helped. Yeah, that uh, we'll we'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, original air date February thirteenth, two thousand two. Yeah. Uh, the episode opens on the titular shuttle pod one, uh, flying through an asteroid field. Mm. Reed is at the helm, looking for Enterprise. Uh, Trip is working on something in the back, telling Reed not to worry, since they told Enterprise that they they would be away for three days. Mm. Uh, Reed mentions that the shuttle pod sensor array is down, so they have to rely on visual confirmation of the Enterprise. And uh, the comm is down, too, unfortunately. Yeah, so basically something's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting the sense that not all is right in shuttle pod one. Uh, Reed is going to pass the time by reading Ulysses, which Trip is less than interested in. Uh, Reed makes a comment about North Americans reading nothing but comic books and ridiculous science fiction novels. Yeah, I noticed that. The, the <laughs> wink, wink, ridiculous science fiction. Yep. I wondered, I also wondered what, um, science fiction in this, in the century of Enterprise must be like. <laughs> like <laughs> they're already out exploring deep space. Like, what? Uh, probably what time travel stuff. Like? Yeah, true. Well, like, uh, well, I mean, we know that there's a temporal cold war <laughs> happening. But it's the stuff of science fiction to those who don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, Reed also comments that Vulcans would have been far more helpful had Zephram Cochran been U- European. Uh, just then, Reed looks outside and calls Trip over. There's debris on one of the larger asteroids, and it looks like the debris is composed of pieces of the Enterprise. Yeah, we see the NX-01. Dun-dun-dun! Opening credits. Uh, when they come back, the Enterprise is flying through space. So, there you go. It's fine. The ship is fine. (laughs) They really wanted to reassure us pretty quickly about that. Archer is in his ready room, 
and Hoshi enters. She reports on the status of the Tesnians, a species that breeds boron gas. They're being cared for by Dr. Phlox, and Hoshi has learned their language. The Tesnians lost their ship, which had been their home for years, and Hoshi gives some exposition about how the Enterprise's launch bay door got damaged, how the Tesnians made use of their escape pods, and how the Tesnian ship got destroyed on the asteroid. So mm. that's the debris. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archer calls Mayweather, and Mayweather says they are about 20 hours from Tesnia. Uh, Archer thinks that they can make it back in time to rendezvous with Trip and Reed. He asks Mayweather to drop out a warp so they can inspect the damage to the Enterprise. Uh, a little later, Archer and T'Pol take a shuttle pod, not shuttle pod one, obviously, <laughs> uh, and examine the exterior of the Enterprise. T'Pol says a woman named Lieutenant Hess is in charge of engineering while Trip is away. Uh, T'Pol says that there might have been micro-singularities in the asteroid field. And Archer says that micro-singularities are a Vulcan myth. Ooh, Vulcans have myths. <laughs> yeah. Uh, T'Pol is convinced that the micro-singularities caused the Tessian ship to malfunction and that the reason the Enterprise shows no evidence of the micro-singularities damage is because its hull is polarized. Hmm. Back on Shuttle Pod 1, Trip is wondering if there are any survivors around. Uh... And he wants to get the black boxes from the Enterprise's debris. Uh, they only have 10 days worth of breathable air. Trip suggests going to Echo 3, a subspace amplifier, but it's more than 10 days away at impulse power. As Trip still wants to get to Echo 3 so that they can send their distress beacon to Starfleet Command. Uh, Reed argues that it's hopeless, but Trip orders him to find a way to Echo 3. Reed spots a blue giant that they may have gone by before. Uh, <laughs> We're going in circles. Which is good enough for Trip. So they take one last pass over what they assume is left of the Enterprise and head in that general direction. Uh, in this part, um, Trip is saying, oh, you come from a long lineage of navigators. You should be able uh -huh. to find the way to Echo 3. And then, then Reed's like, I don't have a sextant. Oh my god, that's right. <laughs> like, he's, he's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if those skills are directly translatable to deep space, but, <laughs> well, that's a joke. Uh, Reed records a personal log on November 9th, 2151. Mm -hmm. He is resigned to the fact that he and Trip are going to die, but he wants to leave a log to recount what led up to the destruction of the Enterprise. Reed says that he and Trip were in the shuttle pod because they were helping to test the targeting scanners on Enterprise, so they needed to be at least 20,000 kilometers away from the ship. During the third trial, they experienced a jolt, and their sensory was, Trip says, quote, totally fried. Uh, Trip continues to interrupt Reed's log throughout this entire part. Uh, they had to fly back to where Enterprise was lo last located. Uh, which is when they saw what they think are the remains of the Enterprise. Trip is sick of Reed's pessimism, but Reed says that he's just being realistic because they aren't likely to run across anyone while flying at impulse. Uh, Reed decides to dig into the rations. There's a wide array of food to choose from, but Trip wants the meatloaf. And uh, <laughs> Reed finds a bottle of Kentucky bourbon. Uh-oh. Uh <laughs> I can see where this is going. 
Uh, Trip says that Archer was planning to give that bottle to someone, but he can't remember who. So the bottle is now theirs. Uh, the two guys eat their food. Uh, Trip has meatloaf. Reed has the Chilean sea bass, which he doesn't seem too enthralled with. <laughs> uh, I oh, but we do. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I noted. I think that you're going to notice the same thing. Uh-huh. That according to his best friend on Earth in the episode Silent Enemy, Reed uh-huh. hates fish. Right. And he only went to that fish restaurant because of the waitress. Right. So, hmm. Maybe he just felt it was the healthier option. <laughs> probably. He probably too bad there wasn't a can of pineapple. Yeah. Oh. His favorite yeah. food. Trip's got his Kentucky bourbon, but where's come on? <laughs> uh their their rations are like microwavable dinners. Yeah. They, I mean they totally look like some sort of you know, Boston Market microwaveable meal. <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of Back to the Future 2 with the dehydrated pizza. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where they just stuck this packet in to this uh-huh. machine, and a few seconds later, they had food. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little later, Trip is trying to sleep while Reed is recording a message to his parents. Uh, Trip interrupts. Uh, he wants some sleep, but Reed thinks sleeping is a waste of oxygen. Reed is uh, very negative at this point. Yeah, he's he's not taking this well. And I mean, I guess who would, right? Yeah, it's understandable. They're the both of the guys at this point are taking it, and you know they're approaching it with a different mindset. Uh, this is very much the odd couple situation. Exactly. That's what I had noted. I, I decided to call this episode "Odd Couple in Space." Yep. Uh, Reed wakes up, and he's in sick bay. Uh, Flocks and Archer say that he saved Trip and that he needs to get some rest. T'Pol is also in sick bay and says that he's a hero. Uh, she says that Vulcans can never ignore courage and that she will never ignore Reed again. Uh huh. We learn hmm. that Reed never liked the name Malcolm because it was too stuffy, but mm-hmm. T'Pol says that Molcom is the Vulcan word for serenity. Ooh. Reed cracks a bad joke about being fond of the name Stinky, and T'Pol <laughs> cracks a smile. So we totally know this is real. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is so awkward. <laughs> Stinky. Yeah, that's really bad. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, they're about to kiss. Uh, when the sound of static interrupts them, it's Trip fixing the receiver on Shuttle Pod 1. Oh, man. Totally. Just woke him up from the his... B- best dream but now we know maybe there's something uh, malcolm might have a little something for (laughs) to paul yeah interesting i think uh trip asks about stinky but reed ignores him (laughs) that's what happens when you talk in your sleep right he heard the secret that reed keeps when he's talking in his sleep uh suddenly they are jolted by something and there's a hole breach uh, it's hard to locate without sensors, however. Uh, Trip releases some nitrogen from the coolant tanks to help find the leak. Uh, it turns out there are two leaks on either end of the shuttle pod. They use their fingers to hold the leaks temporarily. Uh, Reed has Trip pass him what's left of his meatloaf, and he uses the mashed potatoes to seal the leaks. <laughs> Whatever hit them ruptured one of the oxygen cylinders, so they have less than two days of air left. Mm. So from bad to worse. Yep. Got to heighten that tension. Yeah. And it's so definitely something like a piece of space dust or something shot through. I mean, it's lucky they didn't get hit by it. I mean, it it shot through one side and went out the other. 
Um, I, don't they make a comment about how the the makeup, like the the body of the of Shuttlepod One, should be able to repel something like that? Right. So whatever it was, it must have been. It must have been a micro singularity. Really oh, maybe it was. Uh, later, was, Reed hmm. is using sealant to close the cracked hull. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed is still being negative, but Trip <laughs> is positive that there will be a Charles Tucker the Fourth someday. <laughs> <laughs> nice quad. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about meeting the girl of his dreams at a bar called the 602 Club. Mm. Her name was Ruby, whom Reed also knows. And I made a note that Trip and Reed are Eskimo brothers. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, you somehow were able to bring the league into Enterprise. <laughs> Congratulations, sir. Uh, Trip changes the subject and suggests lowering the temperature to about Minus five degrees centigrade, uh, which allows them to enhance the efficiency of the atmosphere recyclers, and it'll give them an extra half day. Uh, Reed starts shaving because he wants to look his best when someone finds their corpses, and Trip tells them that it won't matter because hair and nails keep growing after you die. Gross. Which <laughs> isn't necessarily true. The skin recedes, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's just Star Trek. Science? <laughs> what are you talking about? Anyways. Uh, back on the Enterprise, T'Pol enters Archer's ready room and tells Archer that the Tessian ship might have been hit by a micro singularity and that three micro singularities hit Enterprise. Uh, T'Pol is excited about the prospect of proving the existence of micro singularities, but Archer is more concerned about Trip and Reed. Uh, back on Shuttle Pod 1, Reed is recording a message to a woman named Deborah. It's freezing inside. Both men are wearing their hats and jackets. Uh, Reed then starts recording a message to a woman named Rochelle when he is interrupted by Trip because this is his fifth or sixth identical letter. <laughs> uh, Trip then changes the subject to Hoshi and Mayweather being so young. Uh, Reed brings up the fact that Hoshi didn't like traveling in deep space, but Trip says that she saved their butts a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed and Trip once again fight about being overly optimistic slash pessimistic, and Trip wants to dig into the food again, but Reed isn't hungry. Trip then offers him some bourbon. Uh, Reed says he doesn't drink on duty, but Trip says it shouldn't matter if they're dead men anyway. Mm-hmm. Trip orders Reed to, quote, live a little and hands him a <laughs> glass of bourbon. Uh, Trip then lights a candle, which isn't for heat. That's what the bourbon's for, but for mm-hmm. mood. Trip toasts the crew of the Enterprise, and both he and Reed take a swig of bourbon. Reed points out that the candle is consuming oxygen, but Trip says they'll die in five or six minutes faster than they would have, which he assumes would suit Reed just fine. Oh, my God. Reed says that he doesn't want to die. He lost nearly everyone he cared about on Enterprise. Uh, He never got close to his ex-girlfriends or his family, but he got close to the crew of the Enterprise. Uh, Trip is touched and blows out the candle so that they have a few more minutes of oxygen. Later, the bourbon bottle is mostly empty, and Reed and Trip are clearly drunk. (laughs) Clearly! (laughs) Uh, Reed asks if Trip thinks that T'Pol is pretty. And uh, Trip says he never looked her that way because she's a Vulcan. But Reed says he's checked out her bum. Uh, Trip makes a toast to some commander wow. to ball. 
Uh, suddenly they start receiving a message, but they can't respond. The message starts clearing up, and they recognize Hoshi's voice. Hoshi tells them to rendezvous in two days, but they have only a little over one day's worth of air left. Uh. Uh, Trip and Reed are making their way to the new coordinates, but they're trying to figure out a way to extend their air supply or make the Enterprise meet them quicker. Reed suggests firing their weapons, but it will look like a blip to the Enterprise. Uh, Reed then suggests jettisoning the impulse drive and rigging it to self-destruct. Trip refuses because they'll be dead in space, and he's an engineer and won't blow up their only engine. Uh, Reed says it's either that or hold their breath for 11 hours, and this convinces Trip to jettison the engine. Uh. Uh, the engine explodes, and Reed asks how it feels to be slower than a snail, which reminds Trip of a cartoon of two snails riding on a turtle. <laughs> Super false. <laughs> Uh, later, Reed and Trip bet on how much air is left. Trip says they have less than 12 hours. Reed says they have more than 12 hours. Whoever wins gets the rest of the bourbon. Reed checks the gauge, and they have 10 hours left. Trip takes a swig and gives the rest to Reed. Trip then says that if there were, if there were only one person, they would have 20 hours of air left. Uh, Reed jokes that Trip should go into the airlock, and Trip actually does. Reed pulls out a phase pistol, which is set to stun, and points it at Trip. They shout at each other, but Trip ultimately gives up on getting into the airlock. Uh, the roles are reversed, and now Reed is the optimist. I noted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was kind of the point, right? At this at this part. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed wakes up in sick bay. Uh, Archer, T'Pol, and Flocks are there. Archer says that they got hypothermia. Enterprise saw the explosion and found Trip and Reed when they had only a couple hours of air left. Reed tells Archer that they saw the debris from the Enterprise and assumed the worst. Uh, Archer and Phlox leave. As T'Pol is leaving, Reed asks her if there's something she's supposed to say to him about heroics. Uh, she says goodnight <laughs> and leaves. Uh, Reed then calls out to the unconscious Trip, asking first if he minds calling him Trip, and uh, says, Sleep well, my friend. And that's oh, the end of the episode. They're space buds now. They're not only the Eskimo brothers, but now they're best friends. Space friends. Yeah, they went through quite a bit together. Um, you know, I actually like that episode more upon hearing your synopsis of it. Uh, I remember when when I watched it, I thought it was uh, thought it was kind of boring. Um, yeah, not a lot happened in this no, episode. No, and and I mean, I know before we we start recording, you you had some comments about it being a a quote-unquote bottle episode. And you said it was the quintessential bottle episode. Yeah. I mean, it's it's them. I mean, the the, the episode is them in Shuttle Pod 1. I mean, it's a, not a misnomer. <laughs> um, I, I do, I mean, I do like that the, the show seems to be having some episodes that um, are really trying to set up the characters more and get us to know more about them and like them more. Um like I said, I, I actually, I, I'm coming around a little more on the episode hearing, you know, your, your recounting of what happened. Um, I remember actually, you know, since you just talked about how it ended, I remember when I watched it thinking, is this some weird, you know, the ending, is this another dream sequence? You know, is, did they really get found? It's just maybe just some things kind of 
maybe some pacing issues or some editing issues where it was just kind of a little hard to tell what was going on. You know, they go from, uh, they go from trip, you know, threatening to eject himself into space to save Reed to, Oh, they're there. They're in sick bay. It's like, they had to just really quickly wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Like I almost, I almost, uh, uh, I wish there had been, you know, them sort of passing out from, uh, from, you know, the cold and the lack of oxygen and then maybe seeing the Enterprise arrive just in time, that kind of thing. Yeah. And clearly they did. Um, and you, and Reed did ask to Paul if, you know, basically a question to see if he was still dreaming, but, but, you know, and he wasn't. Uh, but I was a little bit kind of confused at the end, but, um, no, I mean, like like we were saying, nothing nothing really major happened. I mean, they survived uh, an ordeal. Yeah, it was a. I mean, it wasn't the most exciting episode, but it was a good character development episode. Uh, yeah, definitely. We learned a lot about Reed, and it was nice to see him and Trip interact. Mm-hmm. And there were some funny moments. You know, there was some. I mean, it was it was weird. It was the, the space odd couple because there were some moments where it was really contentious. You know, like. Um, uh, Trip was really upset with him, just like you know, be quiet. Like you're, you know, you're being such a pessimist. You know, I can't take it anymore. Like he was really mad at him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, at the end, he, like you said, it kind of the roles reversed. Reed was being optimistic that they could be rescued and didn't want him. But it was a pretty good show of you know bravery by Reed or by Trip to say I'm going to eject myself to save you. Uh, it was, yeah, I mean, it was a good examination of how each of them dealt with grief. Um, mm-hmm. Reed definitely more apparent than Trip, though. I just feel like Reed, Reed has had a very sad childhood. And <laughs> well, I mean, like you said, he never got close to anyone. Right, right. And we've already seen on the episode, you know, about his favorite food that, uh, you know, his parents just are so disconnected. Mm-hmm. Like, he just had the, like, no one really knows him. He's had this really weird, you know, kind of isolated childhood. So it's good to see him, you know, kind of warming up to different people. You know, I'm definitely, I'm finding him a lot more interesting than I did when the show started out. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And of course, it's always good to get more trip. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's the trip and read show. <laughs> Uh, is there any notes about this episode? Um, well, let's see. There was a deleted scene, uh, that didn't appear in the televised version, um, uh, with, uh, Reed and Tucker drunkenly giggling about how the universe isn't going to get any of their bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, they talk some more, um, about, uh, about Captain Archer and what they think of Captain Archer. And, uh, and Tripp tells a story about Archer uh, that kind of gives you a little more about their background together. Um, uh, it was, I don't know, just interesting, like a little bit of, um, uh, like a little bit of a little anecdote about a thing they once did together. Oh, okay. Um, thinking about the bourbon again, um, th- that bourbon was meant for Archer to give to someone. Why was Archer keeping it on shuttle pod one? I don't know. Like, did he think he, he, like, he didn't keep it in his, uh, uh, in his, um, uh, ready room? Yeah, you, his, you would his, think his so. Orders? He had to go hide it in, the, <laughs> he had to go hide it in a shuttle pod. Oh, well. Or maybe, 
maybe Archer sabotaged Shuttle Pod 1, and he put it in there because he felt so guilty. (laughs) He put it in there. He's like, I feel really bad doing this to you, Trip, buddy. But so I'm going to at least at least I can do is give you this gift, this gift of bourbon I was saving. Anyways, Uh, the idea of micro singularities is an interesting one. Um, Yeah, like you said, it's weird that Vulcans believe in what are supposedly mythical things like Uh it's interesting to see a vulcan believe in something that archer a human would not believe in Uh yeah yep oh no i thought it was a a serviceable yeah uh, episode (laughs) i mean it's not one of the better ones but it was fine Uh uh let's take a little break and then when we come back we'll talk about the next episode For decades, we've dreamed of traveling beyond our galaxy. This fall, we will. Neptune and back in six minutes. A new era of discovery is about to begin. Let's go. Enterprise launches Wednesday, September 26th on UPN. All right, we're back. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 1, Episode 17, Fusion. Oh, is this going to be about uh, they find a giant uh, cache of uh, energy drinks from Gatorade on board a derelict freighter? Yeah, yeah. It's really weird, but they did it. <laughs> and uh, it was it was a huge uh, uh, crossover uh, product placement opportunity. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, I mean, Enterprise wasn't the biggest show, so they needed some extra support. Yeah. And so uh, Gatorade was launching a new drink called Fusion, and now we have this episode. <laughs> no, not at all, folks. It's about Vulcans. It's about Vulcans. Uh, this series seems to be very Vulcan-focused. Yeah. They should have called it Star Trek Vulcan. Sure. If they were out of their Vulcan minds. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, original air date, February 27th, 2002. Uh, the episode opens in Archer's ready room. He's showing an old astronomy book to T'Pol. The book is about the Arachnid Nebula, which he's mm. about to see in real life. Uh, the book is from the library of Admiral Johnny Archer. Uh, Archer tells T'Pol that he had high hopes when he was a kid. Suddenly, Reed calls and says that a ship is approaching and is hailing them using a Vulcan frequency. Uh, Archer and T'Pol enter the bridge. Archer doesn't recognize the ship. T'Pol informs him that it's an old type of Vulcan vessel. The captain appears on screen and introduces himself as Tavin, captain of the Vaklis. That's the opening credits. When the show comes back... uh, Tavin says he's on a mission of exploration, which Archer finds odd. But Tavin explains that he and his crew are not typical Vulcans. Tavin needs help with repairing his ship. In the captain's dining room, Archer, T'Pol, Tavin, and another Vulcan are about to eat. Archer tells Tavin that the chef has more experience cooking traditional Vulcan dishes, but Tavin is much more interested in Archer's chicken dish which T'Pol seems appalled at because it's meat. Uh, Tavin explains that they have been away from Vulcan for eight years and that they are explorers not of space, but of themselves. T'Pol says something in Vulcan to Tavin, 
and Tavin explains that she called them Vulcans without logic. Uh, Tavin says that he has not abandoned logic. They just choose not to continue suppressing their emotions. Logic, Tavin says, is meant to complement emotions. Uh, T'Pol has some words with the other Vulcan when Archer tells them that Trip is going to need three or four days to repair the ship. So Archer invites Tavin et al. to tag along to view the nebula. Uh, in engineering, Trip is talking to yet another Vulcan. Uh, this Vulcan is very interested in the women on the Enterprise. Uh, this Vulcan also has some misconceptions about humans. Uh, humans mate year round, eat six meals a day, spend half the day sleeping, etc. <laughs> and he say, he says, oh, no, most of us spend about eight hours a night. <laughs> we find out that Trip sleeps about six hours a night. Yes. Uh, in Archer's ready room, T'Pol gives Archer a list of requests, and she says that Tavin wants the recipe for chicken marsala. Uh, hmm. Archer questions why T'Pol is avoiding Tavin and the rest of the Vulcans. Archer thinks these Vulcans might be onto something, but T'Pol strongly disagrees. She tells him that other Vulcans have tried what Tavin is doing, and they have all failed, and it is dangerous. In the mess hall, T'Pol is getting some tea. Uh, the other Vulcan from before, from the captain's dining room, uh, he approaches... And uh, the mess hall is empty, save for these two characters. He wants T'Pol to show him how to use the food sequencer, and he'll have whatever she's having, which happens to be mint tea, despite having some Vulcan drinks available to her. Hmm. She also likes chamomile tea. Uh, T'Pol is about to leave when he asks her how long she's lived among humans. She's spent two years at the Vulcan consulate on Earth and seven months on Enterprise. Uh this Vulcan is really creeping on T'Pol. <laughs> <laughs> That's the technical term. Uh, yeah, this dude is a complete creep. Mm -hmm. uh, as he tries to show her that she's changed by being around humans for so long. Uh, she says that it's just because she hasn't meditated in a while. T'Pol tells him that Vulcans who tried this experiment before reverted to their primal nature. This guy argues that it's not a bad thing. And then he invites her to have some pizza. <laughs> uh, the Enterprise flies to the nebula. Archer is impressed. Mayweather says that it's over 8 billion kilometers in diameter. Uh, Archer's book said it was, was six and a half. Hmm. So he wants to chart it, but it'll take several weeks. Uh, Tavin offers the use of the sensors on his ship, which will cut down the amount of time the survey would take. And Archer asks T'Pol to go over to the Vulcan ship. On the backlist, uh, T'Pol and the Creeper are observing the nebula. Uh, T'Pol notices the statue of Sirach and asks why people who would reject Sirach's teachings would have a statue of him. Uh, the Creeper says that he has a different interpretation of the original text. And it's not about purging emotions, but mastering them. Mm. On Vulcan, the Creeper taught literature at the Shirkar Academy, mm. a prestigious occupation that he gave up to explore in space. Uh, T'Pol is about to leave. There's a lot of this, by the way, of people about to leave and then being stopped. Mm -hmm. uh, T'Pol is about to leave, and the uh, Creeper stops her and tells her to try not meditating for once as an experiment. Hmm. In the mess hall... Trip explains to his Vulcan buddy 
that football is not about trying to kill the quarterback. <laughs> uh, I like this Vulcan buddy guy, by the way. Yeah. I'm just going to say it now. Uh, Trip wants to know something about Vulcans. He, he knows about the arranged marriages, but he wants to know about sex. A word that somehow can apparently quiet the whole room. Mm. <laughs> like, as soon as it's mentioned, everyone just stops talking. Oh, maybe they're... I don't know. I always get like this feeling they're kind of prudish in Starfleet. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Reed shows up as the conversation continues. You know, if it involves sex, Reed is interested. Yeah, right. Uh, and he's thinking of T'Pol the whole time. <laughs> uh, we finally learn that this Vulcan's name is Kav. Uh, Kav explains that Vulcan males are driven to mate once every seven years. Hmm. We know this as Ponfar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kav and his crew have been trying to accelerate the mating cycle. I bet they have. On the bridge, Hoshi has picked up a transmission from Admiral Forrest. Uh, Forrest tells Archer that the Vulcan High Command is aware that the Enterprise has docked with the Valkyrie. Uh, it turns out that Kav is the son of a minister. They haven't spoken in years, but Kav's father is dying and wants to speak to his son. The High Command wants Archer to convince Kav to return to his father. Uh, T'Pol has a dream in which he's walking outside on a city street. The dream cuts back and forth between T'Pol on the sidewalk and T'Pol having this creeper Vulcan right next to her. Uh, T'Pol enters a club called Fusion, the Hmm. name of the episode. Hmm. The scene then cuts to T'Pol naked in bed with the creeper. Uh, uh, scenes cut back and forth between a fully clothed T'Pol in fusion, listening to jazz music, and the naked T'Pol in bed with the creeper. In a very obvious bit of symbolism, the statue of Sirak falls off the ledge and shatters, and T'Pol wakes up. There's also some really, like, to me, grating jazz fusion music playing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what is going on here? You know when uh, the show's theme song seems like about 10 uh, degrees better than (laughs) that music, that it's pretty bad. Uh, In sick bay, Phlox is examining T'Pol. He notices her blood pressure and synaptic activity are both higher than normal. Tamal explains that it's because she didn't meditate the night before and that she just needs some inaprovaline. Uh, Flox notes that changing her routine is odd for her, and she explains why she didn't meditate and that the dreams she had were unsettling. In Archer's ready room, Archer meets with Kav about Kav's father. As Kav is leaving, Archer asks if he's going to call his father. Uh, Kav asks Archer to send a message we said goodbye a long time ago. On the backlist, the creeper brings to Paul some chamomile tea and asks how her experiment in not meditating went. Uh, to Paul is trying to evade by talking about the nebula scans, but the creeper keeps insisting that she talk about her dreams. Tall says that the dream involved the memory of her wandering around San Francisco. Uh, she left the compound because she was curious about human recreation She walked around until she heard jazz music, which she was drawn to for some reason. Uh, As she's telling the story, the creeper is getting closer and closer. Uh, Creeping in, if you will. Yeah. He asks her how she felt, and she says she felt invigorated by the music. Uh, A brief feeling of emotion. Uh -uh. 
the creeper offers to show her to how to feel emotion again. Mm, don't don't do it. Don't do, do it. Do it to Paul. Uh, in engineering, Archer asks Trip to talk to Kov. Uh, Archer then asks Trip what he knows about a guy named Tolaris, which turns out to be the name of the Creeper. So there we go. We finally get his name. Mm. <laughs> but you can just keep calling him Creeper because yeah. it's a more accurate name for him. Uh, Archer is wondering why T'Pol has changed her mind about Tolaris, and Trip says that she just likes being around her own kind. In T'Pol's quarters, Tolaris tells T'Pol about the mind meld and convinces her to let him use it on her. Uh, T'Pol initially resists the mind meld, but they continue. Tolaris wants her to think back to the night she went to Fusion and what she felt then. Uh, she wants to leave the mind meld, but Tolaris forces her to continue, uh, basically raping her mentally until she yeah. physically pushes him away. Uh, this was really uncomfortable. Yeah, it was pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, she's wrecked by what happened and weakly crawls over to a computer so that she can call sickbay. Uh, in engineering, Trip tries to convince Kav to see his father. Kav is adamantly against it. Uh, Trip tries taking a different tack. He asks if Vulcans dance. And they only do when it's part of a tedious ceremony. <laughs> uh, Tripp talks about the first dance he ever went to in elementary school. He had a crush on a girl, and he spent weeks practicing the two-step with his brother in preparation. On the day of the dance, however, he couldn't muster the courage to even talk to her. <sighs> and he's still kicking himself more than 20 years later. Uh, he tells Kav that regret is one of the strongest and one of the saddest emotions, and that Kav is close to feeling it himself. Wow. There you go, Trip. That's one of the better things. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, we needed a little levity after what happened with T'Pol. Mm -hmm. um, in Archer's ready room, Archer speaks with Tolaris about the survey of the nebula. They make some small talk. And as Tolaris is leaving, Archer stops him and reveals that T'Pol is in sickbay due to Tolaris's mind meld. Uh, it was an assault that could have left neurological damage. Uh, Tolaris believes that he can help guide her, but Archer tells Tolaris to stay away from T'Pol. Tolaris gets so angry at Archer that he picks him up and throws him across the room. Yeesh. Uh, Archer grabs a phase pistol and points at Tolaris, telling him and the rest of the Vulcans to leave. Uh, Trip and Kov walk and talk on their way back to the docking bay. Uh, before he leaves, Kov tells Trip, that he's learned that his father's condition has improved. Trip says that gives Kav a little more time to call his father, but Kav replies that he already did, which is how he learned about the good news. Oh. See? Trip's story affected Kav. Mm -hmm. In Tabal's quarters, Archer informs Tabal that the Vaclis has left about 20 minutes ago, which makes her feel better. Archer now understands why she meditates every night. Uh, he's about to leave when she stops him and asks if he dreams. He says he does and that they're sometimes in color. Uh, is it enjoyable, she asks. Most nights, he responds. I envy you. And she says goodnight to Archer. And that's the end of the episode. Yep. So, thoughts. Did not like this episode. No. I mean, I have a couple of thoughts. And my my first one... Uh, I'm sure we probably share some similar thoughts. My first one is I'm kind of, well, I'm happy and you know, I would 
I'm interested in the idea of a T'Pol uh, character episode. Um, I feel like we are really overdoing the Vulcans. Mm. Um, I just, I know that they're an important part of the show, but it's, there's just been so many episodes about the Vulcans. <laughs> Can we do something new? You know, I, I just feel like this is a, an opportunity to introduce a lot of new stuff, uh, we've never seen before, and we just keep going back to the Vulcans. Uh, it was interesting that the mind melt is seen as an ancient technique that was forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we know that Spock uses the mind meld quite a bit on uh, mm-hmm. the original series. Well, and I, I think even, maybe even in one of the episodes we watched for Trek Trek of Voyager, I think that Tuvok uses it. Yep. So it's not that forgotten. Well, I mean, yeah. evidently something happens between this era mm-hmm. and then later on. Um, I really didn't like the way it was used in this episode no that was my biggest problem and i know you had a big problem with that too Mm -hmm. um it was just i I feel like it was it was really awful but then they didn't really kind of address it very well no they just kind of had this thing that was you know yeah they made to paul a victim and then nothing came came of it like, she wasn't able to actually then, you know, kind of stand up for herself. Right. She's just kind of like, oh, that was awful. I got to go to sick bay. And then that was it. So I also um, was going to say, you know, this reminded me a lot of uh, of Star Trek, uh, the final frontier with Spock's brother, mm-hmm. like his his brother that had rejected logic. Right. And I was like, ah, we kind of got that. It's like, we get it. When Vulcans reject logic, they become. <laughs> well, I mean, I I would would say, uh, like I mentioned a little little bit ago, that I thought that uh, Trip's buddy that he made, his friend that he made, was pretty cool. Right. Uh, I liked that guy. And Tavin, he was fine. Yeah, you know? it was weird. They introduced Tavin, and then they didn't do anything with him for like the yeah. rest of the episode. And then, did you recognize who that was? Mm-mm. Uh, that's Robert Pine. He's Chris Pine's dad. Oh. So he's... <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it, now I, now I can see it. Yeah, he's New Kirk's dad. Uh, I recognized him most from uh, growing up. I watched a show called Chips mm-hmm. all the time, the one about the California Highway Patrol, and he was the kind of their commanding officer. But uh, yeah, he showed up, and I was instantly I was like, oh, I know who that guy is. So it's kind of interesting that he actually appeared on Star Trek and then you know, several years later, his son was cast as Kirk. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Cooler than this episode. Yeah, not at all a fan of this episode. No, I mean, it's, as far as, as Vulcan episodes go, uh, definitely the two-part um, Pajem arc. If, it was, <laughs> if it's completed, uh, those two episodes, I think, were definitely better. Yeah, I mean, looking into... Vulcan politics is much more interesting than Mm -hmm. exploring what happens when Vulcans abandon logic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, we've already kind of seen that before. Yeah. Seen Vulcans that have abandoned logic. So, I I mean, yeah, it seems like that they were going for some way to, you know, have a a story episode focused around to Paul, but then they made her kind of not a very important part of it. Right. Yeah, and I, this may be an ongoing problem with Enterprise of it trying to introduce Star Trek concepts to 
people that aren't Star Trek fans mm-hmm. or them feeling like they should introduce concepts that Star Trek fans are already familiar with. But like mm-hmm. the idea of Ponfar and mind melds and stuff, like we, we already know about that stuff. Yeah. We know about that. Like we're your, your core audience is, uh, you know, your core audience already knows this. So let's, uh, let's move along. Like I, like I said, I think that's kind of where my, my feelings come from around, you know, we've been there, done that. Let's have some new stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cool to see stuff like the Andorians, you know, they remember from original, you know, original series, Star Trek, but you know, that that's cool to see them updated for, for, you know, a new era, and, and, and all of that, but I would definitely like to see, like, you know, what's the deal with those, what's the deal with those silent aliens that, you know, attack in that one episode where they attacked the Enterprise and the Enterprise needed to get phase cannons, you know, like, who are those guys? Mm-hmm. Are they coming back? You right. know, I want to, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about, you know, just in general about some of these other, these other alien races. Yeah. Or new ones, completely new ones. Yeah. Yeah. We've done a lot of Vulcan stuff. Mm hmm. Oh, well. Maybe next week's episode will be better. Yeah, what's that going to be? Uh, Rogue Planet. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Is it a planet full of rogues? Or is it a planet it, that it is itself a rogue? And we'll find out. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. Well, okay. That's probably the best. <laughs> uh, it's The last two episodes were Brandon Braga, Rick Berman stories, right? Hmm. Yeah. Well, they need to uh, <laughs> step up their game, guys. <laughs> you're the showrunners. Come on. Yeah. Show us that you know what your show is about. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, the sh- Enterprise was getting really good for a while, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of s- slipping back into mediocrity. Well, I'm wondering if they're going to... I, I got uh, hope, hoping that once they get through the first season, that they'll during that period of that production stops between the two seasons, that maybe they'll ca- kind of have taken a step back and re and evaluated. Okay, here's what worked well. Here's you know here are the episodes that you know maybe they'll get feedback from viewers, and viewers will say like, well, you know, it's too much Vulcan stuff. Uh, you know, the kind of things we've been talking about. And so maybe maybe that will have happened. I'm hoping. Yeah, hope so. Uh, so until next week, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, we'll see you then. Yeah.